Welcome to the Bar Stewards Inquiry Sunday Sermon. My name's Lee Keys of SystemBet.co.uk and with me as always to discuss and chew the fat of the events of the week, uh, current topics uh, and uh, review yesterday's action is John Ling of John Joe's Blogspot. Good morning, John. Morning, mate. I'm uh, all set for the match later on. I'm sat here in my St George's thong and I've rubbed in half a pint of Swarfaga. <laughs> that's the spirit that's what we like um yeah obviously something bigger going off this uh, this evening uh, come on england um can we do it for the first time since 1966 the excitement is building but on to matters of racing um this is what our podcast is about if you want football podcast you can find plenty of them um and obviously very very sad passing yesterday of probably the biggest influential sire of of any horse racing generation in Galileo, John. Um, uh, this, this, this sire sired 43 horses, no less rated 120 plus, including the Great Frankel, Rip Van Winkle, Australia, Nathaniel, mares like Found, Love, Minding. Um, and he's now joined um, the other parent of Frankel, Kind, who passed away earlier this year, um, the mayor. So both Frankel's parents are dead. And, yeah, it's uh, looking pretty grim, would you say, for uh, Coolmore? Well, obviously, we're going to be uh, casting around for a replacement. Um, I mean, they've got an awful lot of road mares there with Galileo blood in them. Um I'd hesitate to say they're in crisis over this, to be honest. Um, I mean, they probably need to come up with a big stallion. I mean, Galileo was, what, 23? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it was, it was getting towards the end anyway. So, I mean, it'll have been on the minds that they needed to re- replace him. And, um, I mean, I think, I think there's some candidates there, you know? I mean... Just just looking at it, like, I mean, there was a question that um, I, I, I did get asked and I, I forgot to ask it so far. Um, and it's it, it, it was due to uh, have Coolmore got a, a ready replacement for Galileo? In my opinion, they haven't, John. No, I don't think they've got a ready replacement. I think you need, you need to sort of cast around a bit. I mean, um, um I, I would hesitate to suggest any of the three-year-olds this year would be rushed off to stood as a ideal like-for-like replacement. I did think possibly Point Lonsdale would have the credentials to make up as a, a foundation stallion if everything went well with his career. Um, I, I think there's a there's a fair degree of pace on the dam side of the pedigree, the dam's by acclamation. So the thought would be there that he could throw championship standard two-year-olds. Um, he's he's only won a listed race himself. He'd probably have to win a Joeurst or something like that. At worst, a futurity at Doncaster. Yeah. 
And and then you possibly say if you, if you went on at three and won it, a classic, you'd maybe be in business, you know, because again the pedigree on the on the sayers side as well, you know, I mean there's there's enough to say that it, it would make up into a, a foundation stallion. What do you think to him physically, John? Yeah, I think he's a really good sort. Mm. Yeah, I like him. Right, I mean, I mean, for me, I, I had a, I had a good look through Coolmore's roster, and I, to be honest, there is one sire that, that, or potential sire that really could get get pretty good, um, but not for producing possible derby winners, but Glen Eagles, um, he's yet to have a, a Group One winner worldwide, uh, which obviously isn't a, a good sign. But when you consider the standard of mares he'll be getting. Uh, compared to say Galileo, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, I think he's made a very, very good start, and he has, like I said, he has had plenty of very good horses, like anywhere between 100 and 120. Um, and he, I, the fact that he's produced that many so far in just three years uh, of, of, of performances, I think that's really promising. I think, I think if I was sort of up there in Colmo, I'd be looking to send him some better mares. Um, because I think he could do, he could definitely improve. But as as for replacements, I actually think Coolmore have basically got to go out shopping. I mean, you've 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 got you've got Frankel there. Obviously, you can't it's not you can't really crossbreed if you've got any sort of. But you've got Frankel and see the stars, which is obviously Galileo's half brother. Now, you for me, I would be spending a right few quid. I mean, he has. Galileo has got obviously three cover three coverings. So you've got you've got obviously next year, year after, yeah. and so you, you it's it's a while yet before we're not going to see Galileo's on the track. So so I, I, there's no immediate panic for them, but I would definitely be looking to fill the void possibly, and I'd be using like see the stars. Uh, I mean, see the stars is is just phenomenal at the moment. He, he's there's only Dubawi. That's got that's had more group ones um, of the ones that's left now after Galileo and and I just think see the stars produces a bit of both. You've got like uh, Baid, uh, the new the new kid on the block at the moment. You, you it, see the stars produces a lot of good mile and a half horses, and I think they might just have to look at this and and spend a few quid and and obviously take some mares uh, away because I don't think they've got it in the roster now. So Australia is not going to fill the void. Um, so they've not got anything, I don't think, in their in their rosters that that'll carry on producing top class mile and a half horses. So they've they've got to go elsewhere. Do you agree? Yeah, I do up to up to a point. I mean, do you not think that some of the stallions on their roster might benefit from not sharing a roster with Galileo though, because they will get mere upgrades to a certain extent. I mean, uh, you, you know, I mean, like. All right, you're putting the line through Australia, but Australia up until yesterday was probably the equivalent of me going for an eight out with Michael Holding and Tony Cozier and expecting to get the pick of the litter when we trying to pull. <laughs> and in, in all honesty, I got I, if I went anywhere with them too, I mean they wouldn't look at me if mad Willie Kier with cancer. Oh, I always get these mental images. Just you, anyway. you get the drift. Yeah, yeah. Got walnut whip images, things like that. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, um, yeah, you, you, yeah, good and John. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously you, you're making the point there that, like you say, others they might like so Australia might get better mares. Obviously, I just made the point that Glen Eagles might might get some better mares. You know, because he's more likely to produce. You know, probably. You know, Myler's mana quarter horses, and yeah, I just thought that was a an interesting shout, but definitely interesting times for them. I've no idea um, what they're going to do, really. Uh, but like you say, there's probably not need for much panic at the moment. But it's interesting that we've highlighted that. I, I mean, I wonder if uh, Galileo's spunk were running out anyway, because if you look at the last three years of Harry Potter, um, his stats are on the wane. Yeah, well, I mean, you can get mm, you get that, you know. So I mean, you, you you would say that maybe his best days as a stallion were behind him. And let, let's be fair, I mean, they really have made hay while while the sun shone, because I mean, you go back to like when Sadler's Wells was a magnificent foundation stallion for them. I mean, they were hardly overbreeding Sadler's Wells. I mean that that was in the days when they said forty coverings and that's it. Yeah. You know, and I mean like they overstepped the mark a fair bit, but nothing to like what they did with their cheaper ones where they really filled the pockets like Be My Guest and Nazi like that, you know. I think Be My Guest probably covered a hundred in one season and what have you, but they, they didn't do that with Saddle as well. But I mean they have gone to town really with Galileo, you know. He was kept busy, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, definitely, I don't know the actual numbers per season off the top of my head, but yeah. I would, it's definitely over, two, definitely over 200, I reckon. Um, I've, just got, I've just got these like images in my head of, uh, this is terrible, is this too soon to say it? But, you know, the lads are sat there like, like, like Galileo stood there on life support. And, and, the, and the lads are milking every last drop out of it. Well, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. You, you so, don't get through one of the lads and do that yourself. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it's, I, I'm just again another mental image that you just think. Right, you could get Rebecca Lewis to do it, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, two hundred thousand a drop job. You know, you. <laughs> It's uh, you you you'd be uh, you you want every last drop out of it before you had to say goodbye to him. I think you're not whistling Dixie. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, yeah. So right, we'll move on uh, to the questions. Uh, we've got a couple of questions in before we move on. We'll be reviewing uh, yesterday's action and the July meeting. Me and John will go through some of the races uh, for you. Um, first question is from Carl Swanson, a regular listener to the show, and he says. How can the BHA keep proper racing fans interested in the sport? Over the last week, we've had the photo debacle at Sandown. Windsor abandoned the meeting six days before it was due to be held. And he says, like me, like many others, are becoming totally disillusioned with how racing is being run. What's the answer, John? Well, I think the BHA uh, initially need to start looking as though they actually give a shit. You know, because at the, at the minute, the only thing that any of them seem to give a shit about is getting towards the pension with without making any ripples, keeping the company care, keeping the salary, and not offending anybody. 
and just window dressing the spot for, for the sake of window dressing. I mean, this whip consultation for, for starters, you know, it's absolutely stupid. There's no need for it. But it, it, it sort of aids the perception that they're doing something, they're administering the sport, which they're not, really. They're just chucking a spoke in here and there and getting on everybody's nerves, you know. But they, they won't get anywhere while they have the recruitment desk outside the exit at Sandhurst. That, that's, <laughs> that's a big problem, you know. I mean, people are coming into this as administrators, stewards, whatever the hell you chose to pick as a role, because they're from good families and they're too thick to hold down a job in the city. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like when, when, I mean, Rafe and Ralph, you know, they've been, both of those two have been very critical uh, of the BHA and who runs, the, who, who basically is on the board of the BHA. I think, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he said that none of the, of the main people in charge of running the sport are come from any horse racing background whatsoever. Um, which surely that's a, that's a, that, that's, a, I mean, it's not the be all and end all, but it has to be a massive problem if you haven't got a, a, a real good, deep understanding of the sport. I mean, that's how I'd see it. As, as well as a deep understanding of the sport, you need somebody with a really deep love of the sport as well. Mm. You know, it, 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 it's something that needs promoting and, you can't promote the sport like this unless you have that inherent love for it. You, you know, you, you need to un, understand it, like what owners go through with their horses and everything, and you know how hard it is to make it as a jockey. You know what the trainer with, that's only got half a dozen ends up, up against. You, you know, you've got to encompass all that, and none of these people live in the real world anyway. You know, I so said the cushion bag. Non-performance related salaries, which, you, you, you know, I mean, the marketing department there, I mean, that must be the easiest job in the world, you know. I noticed Rod Street, uh, the supremo great British racing, was talking about the lockdown. And he said they had an indoor Olympics during the fucking lockdown. <laughs> you know, I mean, what the <laughs> bloody hell are these people getting paid for? Yeah, you know, they should have been lobbying government to get the get people back into the tracks. You know, wearing masks or showing vaccination certificates or whatever the hell else. But now they're playing with bloody hovers and that at home. Making about it on Skype, absolute cretins. I think that's it. I think you until you start changing the structure of who you employ to run the sport. That's that's where you start. That's where you've got to start off. Like you say, until they get rid of this, you know, um, uh, in-house uh, employee, uh, you know, kind of kind of way forward. How many years have we had the Shergar Cup now? How, how long has that been going? It's, I'd say it's been going from memory. I mean, don't quote me. I'd say it's been going about. I'm guessing. I don't know. 15 to 20 years, that kind I, of... I, I was thinking 15, so it's yeah. probably more. Um, now, in that time, they haven't produced anything that's going to give them an assessment of what good that 
full house at Ascot's doing the sport. By which, I mean, they're not giving discounted vouchers out for people to come back for Champions Day. So they can equate how many people actually come back for an ordinary day's racing. Yeah. Having just a gob about get plastered and have an ice cream. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if they at least gave vouchers out, they would be able to quantify the impact it's having and how many people are becoming regular attendees. But no, there's nothing like that. I mean, that's just a basic marketing skill, you know. Somebody straight from school would be all over that. Yeah. And these people that the pen an absolute fortune to can't even come up with something like that. No. It, it literally, I mean, it's amazing that, I mean, the Shergar Cup for me, I, I, it might have brought some international attention for, for all I know. It probably has. They've probably got more info than me. I know it's a big turn off from a punting perspective, usually, um, from my perspective. I don't know what other punters feel on that. Um, but obviously they brought the racing league in um, later this, this uh, kicking off soon, I believe. And again, it, We've commented on this before. Why do they seem to think that racing is a team sport when it's just not? It's in fact, it's by far and away not a team sport. They're obsessed with football, and they think the only route they can go down is make people supporters of certain teams. You know, hence this preponderance of bloody scabs and things. You know, I mean, the, the minute there's a decent arse now. Somebody's bringing out a scarf in the racing colours, aren't they? You know, I mean, I'm a load of cobblers. Yeah. I mean, the, the Shergar Cup is a betting medium. Well, that had some that they took 16 midgets to Iraq, shot them in a minefield, and I'd bet on the first eight getting blown to smithereens or something like <laughs> that. Messing about with the Shergar Cup. <laughs> Yeah, good question, Carl. We, 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 like I said, we, we, we've got lots of theories on the BHA. It's as if they're deliberately trying to run the game into the ground. That's what it, it seems like from, from from our perspective. Just whatever they do, it's just it, it's just head in your hand stuff most of the time. And but like John says, as long as they seem be, are being seen to be uh, pro diversity, you know, trying to do things to appease the. The, the wingers that haven't got an interest in the sport whatsoever regarding the whip, etc., then they just think they're doing a good job. It, it really is horrendous to watch. Um, and the latest thing, you know... Not diversity, either, when, when, when you look at it. Because, I mean, if there were diversity, there'd, there'd be some working-class people involved. Yeah. You yeah. know, there would be some people from uh, ethnic communities. You know, but, I mean, good God, they've got no chance, have they? No, not not with the Magnolia Cup lineup. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't wait for that when it comes down. Um, so yeah, um, right. We move on to the final question before we go through uh, Newmarket's uh, July meeting and Super Saturday. Comes from Lorne Malvo, um, contributor on the show. He'll be back on next Sunday's sermon. Um, John Leeper seems to have regressed uh, since. Since the since pre pre derby, um, is this down to the horse Ed Dunlop, the trainer? Uh, I would have a, a different trainer have maintained this horse's progression. You know, Johnny, what what's your thoughts on John Leeper? Well, um, my thoughts on the trainer are fairly well documented. I, I, I won't embellish on them much further. What I would say is Epsom is 
known for buggering houses up. Um, this house ran well up to a point at Epsom. He actually began to quicken off the cusp of Tatnam Corner, sustained it for about 100 yards, and then that was the end of him. What did surprise me, that it was out again so quickly. Um, usually when you have promising horses that go to Epsom and are fairly late campaigns and maybe lacking a bit of experience and the bomb out. The, it, it, it's hard when you don't know the arse and have any real dealings with it, but it, as a rule of thumb, you, chances are you wouldn't see that arse for three months. You know, you'd maybe two runs towards the back end, possibly, and hope you haven't made too much of a mess of him and bring him back next year when he's a bit stronger and a bit more savvy. So I was surprised to see him coming out at Sandown, and I, I was also surprised to see the tactics employed when they were ridden him for a turn of foot in the uh, the maiden that he ran before Newmarket. Um, you, you know, I, th- I thought they, they used him up plenty. He had a hard race at Sandown, I thought. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, I, I would fear for the horse now. I mean, as I mentioned to you, before we started the show, you'd sort of have to get the impression he was being aimed at next year's Magnet Cup, but probably wouldn't get in. <laughs> yeah, when he slips down the ring. Um Yeah, I, I mean, certainly I was surprised to see it at Sandown. You know, not, not after timing, because I just I just thought, like, odd odd placement to come out so soon. Um, I, I think if it had been mine after the derby, I'd have probably even maybe roughly summer campaign off and yeah. just... Like you said, just maybe get him, get him, see if you can get him back for autumn. Maybe, like you say, a couple of quiet races. You don't really have to be totally at the races. Just turn up somewhere in a conditions race or a small listed event and, and ride him quietly and just bring him back steadily and, you know, what will be will be. But, yeah, um, I mean, he's not my – everyone knows how, how useless Ed Dunlop is. But, yeah, so – that's where we stand on that. Right, move on to the uh, results from uh, yesterday. Uh, we were in pretty decent form, really, with the, with the tipping. Uh, Andy Richmond's uh, gone down really well. Uh, got some good feedback for, for Andy's contribution yesterday. And uh, Andy and John were very involved with the uh, uh, Magnet Cup finish, um, tipping up. Um, and three out of the first five. Yeah. I'm going to say, you know, it was it was, it was some tipping performance, John. Um, also, you know, you were cursing me yesterday because the, Be- the Bedford Lodge went to Spirit of Bermuda. My choice, beating John's fantastic tip, rising star at double carpet. I mean, like you say, I, I had personal emails from a few listeners yesterday saying if Carlsberg did tipsters and, you know, and I think some, some people, I can imagine a few that might have, chucked in a little small forecast things like that when on, on selections but if you are fantastic but yeah we didn't do too bad um and it all started off with with the bedford lodge uh spirit of Bibuda just pipping off um rising star thoughts on that race john then anything sort of in that race take your eye anything i think i think spirit of Bermuda is probably the one to take out the race really haggis is just different gravy at the minute and he he's getting horses to go forward isn't he you know the the start winning and the progress and, mm. and you know i mean they, 
this could be a case in point. This this is going from refusing to race to really putting its head down and nailing my 33 inch poke. You'd have to give it 90 minimum. Yeah. You'd say it's probably going to be 100 hours at the end of the year. Yeah, well, I like the I think there's there's quite a bit of size to the filly, and I was surprised to see the drift. And I, when you see drift like that, I think like 17 or 18 was available on the machine near the off for yeah. the win. Um, just absolutely friendless. So you're thinking, good, what's happening here? And um, yeah, I was just surprised. But there we go. That's that sometimes markets. Um, and then the next race on the card was the Bet365 Mile Handicap, and you and Andy were touting Royal Fleet for a big run. Uh, might have looked visually unimpressive, John, but the time was very fast. Pulled out as well, didn't it? You know, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's it's got a lot more in the tank. That. Yeah, I mean that that's that's how I sort of looked. I watched it, and it obviously it hung over to the far rail, and you're thinking might might not might not like that, but it's as if I don't know. At the minute, the horse has control of the jockey at the moment. If he's gonna if he's gonna get to that that next level, which obviously physically looks like he can, talent it looks like he can, but if he's bossing the jockey and telling the jockey what he wants to do, and there's no like control from the saddle, which they didn't appear to be, as if say well, Buick says, "Anyway, I'm gonna have to let you hang. You you want to go there, so I'm letting you go." Maybe that'll hinder his progress. But it was a fast time, so you were right in that. You know, the horse has probably got a lot more to come than that. So, interesting going forwards. But I would say mentally, he's not there yet um, to, to fulfil whatever's under that bonnet. Um, then it was the superlative, um, the Group 2 affair uh, over seven furlongs. Native Trail uh, just holding off the strong finishing balding off uh, Massacala. Boost for the Cheshire form, John, your Point Lonsdale. Um, yeah. Thoughts? Well, again, um, the Cheshire, I mean, it's a small sample, but the Cheshire was proving better than the Coventry farm there, really, because you'd have said the Bab was representing the Coventry, wouldn't you? And, and, and I don't think we were terribly keen on the Bab. The Native Trail had looked very promising on debut. Um, I, I ended up, I, I gave them both 101 for that yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, I I would say Debab didn't quite get home. Um, just just seemed to have got the race sewn up, and then I've seen a lot in the set in the superlative. I, I've done a lot of sire sires that have won the superlative, and I think you know you need a bit of stoutness in that pedigree, and you wouldn't have thought so, but because they go a good gallop often in it. It's need... early enough in it for a seven furlong championship race, really. Um... Yeah. Um, Native Trail, I'll still stand by. I think it's got a slightly rounded action, and I think that that ground would have been lively enough for it. Um, I do think it'll probably be better on good to soft rather than good to firm. Um, so Native Trail, I've got hopes going forward. My choice in the race ran no sort of race, not up to that level. Uh, the Bunbury Cup, um, I, I felt John was a um, bit of a disappointing affair, really, because... The Motokayel, even though it was a fine weight-carrying performance in terms of rating 109, bolting up by three and a half lengths, um, that kind of tells you where the race was at in terms of, you know, well-handicapped sorts, et cetera, et cetera. Well, 
To a point, yes, but I, I think the slightly interesting thing was the, the second half. Now, we know from the real slim third, his comments the night before when he, I mentioned that he'd slipped up and said far too much about how much he fancied this. So, <laughs> uh, you know, for some reason, I, I, I felt that Team Gosden thought they had a little bit in hand off 100. Yeah. And if you take the winner out, he, he's won with a little bit in hand, you know? Um, yeah. Now, I know he's probably pushing credulity a little bit, but if you were to bump his rating up to any level at all, I mean, say, say him 104, for example, you know? Yeah, I mean, Mata Kael's put up a hell of an effort then. He does, he does, if you put it like that, it does, I mean... You know, I mean, it's a, it, it, it's a point of view, I'm, I'm not handcuffed to it, but, you know, the, the time wasn't bad. Um... I think Mata Kael certainly outrun his rating. Whether it's yeah. eleven pounds worth, I don't know. But. I mean, that's the thing for me, though. I know you're saying the time wasn't bad; it wasn't, but it was only just as quick as uh, the Bedford Lodge. Yeah. So, so I, to, that, and then that puts fundamental, obviously, quite a bit behind in the Bedford Lodge. So, yeah. I'm not, I'm not so sure what's run the races too much. I, fundamental come from a, a worse position. Uh, I felt. So I think it can be upgraded for that, but I don't know. It's a tricky one, but I, but just if if we give him Mota Kyle full credit, you'd say he's around two hundred and twenty. Yeah. Um, I'm actually struggling to give that hundred and twenty. So I, I don't know. That's yeah, a different. Yeah, you have to give a fair year old that. I think so. He, I think Mota Kyle just loves that straight seven furlongs at Newmarket. Um, I mean, you know, it's. Um, I think it won the race. Yeah, he won the race last year. So you 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 basically got a dual Bunbury Cup winner. In fact, what's his record at Newmarket? I think it's something really good. Um, just trying to find out now. Um, yeah, it's his record at Newmarket is one one two one. So you've got a serious animal there uh, at that uh, at that track. Obviously loves it. Loves the loves the play. Um, so fair play. Just Cecil Boyd Rutchford, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do, do, uh, Darley July Cup, uh, Starman uh, chinned, uh, well, didn't chin, won nicely, really. Uh, I was wrong. I, you know, I just expected the three-year-olds to uh, to dominate. I felt the three-year-olds were were better. Um, I didn't see no obvious excuses for any of the three-year-olds just beaten by the best horse on the day. Yeah, I thought creative force, you could maybe make a case for could have done with a little bit of a better run near the rail, but you wouldn't back him to beat Starman over Carson distance, I don't think, after seeing that. No, I mean, form form looks form looks solid enough, to be honest. You've got, I yeah. mean, Glen Shield's sixth. Um, you know, that's he's a very, very solid yardstick. Art Power's fourth. Oxted's third. You've got, you've got the uh, Commonwealth Cup disqualified winner in second. You've got the Jersey winner in fifth. Um, it looks extremely solid form, and I, don't, I like you said, I, I agree with you about creative force. Actually, it did get a bit of a stuttered run. Um, you know, it might have been, might, might have picked dragon symbol, but like you say, it, it wouldn't have. Uh, I, don't I, mean, I thought it should have been like near enough to dragon symbol, but the winner won well, didn't he? He did, yeah, yeah. So happy, you know, happy sometimes just to put my hands up and say, oh, say we got it wrong there, but but yeah, we we, we tried to be Rolf Harris, failed. Um, right over to York and 
the uh, first race of the day on the TV there was the John Smith's handicap. La Trinidad won at 13 to 2 in a ridiculous fast time, this race. Ridiculously fast. Um, any any view on that race, John? I was glad to say Gobby Rodge have a winner. Uh, <laughs> Gobby Rodge. Um, I, I, I didn't take a lot out of the race, to be honest. I, I thought it was just one of them typically out mile handicaps, you know, um, where pace probably rolls all and track position and what have you, you know. I, I generally tend to disregard your handicap form to a certain extent unless you're getting into the, the real big handicaps. Yeah, I couldn't make in the tail of it, really. Uh, nothing really uh, caught my eye either. So um, we'll move on to the bigger, well, uh, one of the biggest races today at York. Uh, John Smith Silver Cup, the Group 3 contest. Hookham uh, did the business. Uh, didn't look to be too strongly run this race, John. No, um, without box, staying put really and finishing second, I think that tells the story of the race really and Hookham's got that 12 furlong group class turn of foot to put the race to bed really about two and a half out to be honest um, he wasn't in front then but I mean god there was only one winner at that point wasn't there um, yeah. you know I mean the rest of them were struggling for pace really you know I mean Roberto Escobar definitely wants a much stronger run race. He, he doesn't quicken. He, he, he lengthens and grinds it out, you know. Um, so I'd, I'd have him a couple of pounds below his current rating for that. And I still think the horse has scoped a rate much higher. Um, Fugera Prince looked as though he was getting outpaced on the bend, really, turning in. Yeah. You, you know, um, which again would illustrate that they, they haven't gone very quick at all. Uh, but it, it it suited Hookham, and as I said, as I said on Friday night, Owen needed to win something like that with him, and uh, you know it's nice that he has. Yeah. Roberto Escobar still possible Ebo candidate. Well, he could run, couldn't he? Um, I, I don't know whether Mr. Agus might have something seven or eight pound below that that he might fancy a bit more. I, I don't know. I, it, it, it's a tricky one. He might be thinking like Jockey Club Stakes. Newmarket, something like that, go up a bit further in trip. That's what they tend to do when they get outpaced in badly run 14 furlong jobs, isn't it? They think, oh, we want another two furlongs. Yeah, I don't think that race suited him myself. But, no, I don't. But, yeah, could be more to come. Um, then we go to the uh, John Smith Cup, which is the 405 race, and obviously some tremendous tipping from you and Bickley 14. Um, uh, got it nailed to a T, really. Uh, I felt the unlucky horses in the race or, or was the third horse, straight up or moves, um, who, who you obviously liked a lot. And um, Dewan, the fourth horse, was another one that was caught, you know, sort of a lot further back, travelled well into the race, just never getting there because of that. I thought they, those were the two really that shaped like the best horses in the race to me, John. Yeah, in the Belton race, Dewan, didn't he? Um, yeah. You couldn't knock that effort at all. Um, Astro King was a big disappointment, but I, th- I think overall we, we sort of expected that. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, big effort at Ascot. It, it doesn't often equate to a, a good run in the as the Sirens. It doesn't often equate <laughs> to a good run at the Magnet Cup meeting, does it? Um, 
I thought um, what's the story was quite interesting in case Del Glacier's asked. I thought that was travelling quite nicely, um, but seemed as though a, li a little bit short of pace in what wasn't the best run of races. I think that is one I've sort of I've got on my mind now. If, if they brought that back for a, a 10 furlong handicap at the Aber, mate, and on the same sort of ground, and there was going to be some pace on, I think I'd be very interested in that one. Interesting. Okay, what's the story? Something to watch out for then, folks. Uh, and the, just to round the card off, the John Smith City Walls Winter Power utilising and basically showing what York's all about on, on, on sort of decent, you know, decent quickish ground, which obviously the Clark didn't think so good to soft. There was no good to soft in that ground. Um, so the five furlongs event, Winter Power just blitzed them. Kept just blitzed them and kept rolling as they often do at York, which is often why I think that Nunthorpes are hard to win sometimes because the the way the front keeps rolling sometimes at York over the five can be difficult to ride a, a tactical race anyway. Do you do you think do you agree? I do. I mean, they're not coming back to you at all. Have they? Um, I thought Ronan Wayman tried to be a jockey on Urban Bait, found himself in trouble after a furlong, maybe. Yeah. Um, I was, I was quite impressed with that horse actually. I, I thought that ran a nice race, and from a from a physical point of view, I think he's a lovely horse. I, I can see Johnny Murphy getting a nice race out of that at some point. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously he's got some useful form in Ireland. Um, you know, being competitive, I won a Group Three in Ireland. Uh, beat, oh, beat, beat, beat yeah. So yeah, Winter Power blitzing them for speed, uh, sending punters uh, home happy in that race. Um, Regarding horses to follow from from the July meeting, John, anything that that stuck out for you over the three days? I, I wouldn't have said there was there was a lot that I, I was really enraptured with. I thought the Han and Philly and the Falmouth was terrific, but you know, I'm not telling anybody anything that didn't know that really. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, um, and again, Starman in the July Cup was. A little bit of a revelation to me, but I mean, he's going to be very hard to beat wherever he goes if he gets his ground, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. What, what would you think make of him for a Nunthorpe? Would he be quick enough? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I think, as I said, Nunthorpe's are a... a, a I always say it's a, it's a special type of sprinter to win that. You, it depends how York rides, John. That's the thing. You know, yeah. it's like you said, when if, if rain gets in that, sometimes you get some really funny... Funny, funny results and races, but I've always said when it's rattling quick, you've just got to get on the bunny over five and that's it. Blast. Blast off. Um, not sure. Um, I mean, my take on Newmarket was um, uh, I was when Willie Jarvis was was in tears over Lady Berthold. He says he, you know, to be fair, I mean, she was she was unlucky um, in the in the Falmer. Uh, you know, that was plain to see. Uh, but, a bit strong though for somebody else's family's been in the game that long, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's just one of them things. Yeah. Come, come on, Willie, really, there's kids with bone cancer. Yeah. The, the 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 kill the kill managed one winner from his thirteen runners. But he had some run terrible, I felt, during that meeting. Um yeah. not not the usual kilt meeting where he'll he'll pinch two or three from the front anyway. He, he struggled all week there. Maybe he'll get his money back at Goodwood. Uh, like like he sometimes does, which is unfortunate for everyone. 
my my <laughs> my non-jigger for the uh, for the for the week of the Jimmy Lindley lovely pair of hand section ran at Thursday at Doncaster and I was quite incensed by what I saw from Paul Hannigan on Grifter. Now the market was four to nine Monsieur Jumbo, eleven to five Grifter, twenty-two to one bar. Monsieur Jumbo misses the kick five lengths. Uh, Grifter takes a little bit of a keen hold, but he's he's, he's okay. He's, he's ridden handy, um, and I've never I've, I've, I've never seen a fancied horse ridden as blatantly quietly as that. Um, as the as Miss Monsieur Jumbo passed him with the Rebecca Menzies horse, he did nothing. He let them pass him. He's, and I'm thinking, well, when are you going to move? <laughs> he finally just sort of nudged the horse out in the closing stages, just got denied a short head for second. But it was just to say, at no point in my mind was Grifter off a yard in that race. I, anybody watch it and give me a differing view? I'm, I'm all ears for opinions. But I, I think that's... A, that, the only reason no one said anything is because most folks will be on Monsieur Jumbo. Um, but I, like I said, it, it weren't favourite. If Grifter had been favourite, I think we'd have had... Twitter going berserk at that. But Grifter, anyway, is one to watch. It's clear that they've got uh, probably their minds on nurseries, um, you know, with that horse. Um, but I've no idea what that was from Hannigan, the Manigan, that ran at Doncaster um, in the 110 race on Thursday. So if you want to get your videos out and watch that, do you agree with me? Let me know. Uh, anything for you, John, in the, in the non jiggers? Uh, yeah, I mean, generally, Charlie's a non jigger. I just get in a. Yet another example of utter stupidity from the world famous for stupidity Simcock yard. Um, <laughs> there, there ran a horse yesterday called Ispahan in the Maryland Six race at Ascot. Um, I'll just read the racing post comments here. Steadied start, held up in rear, ridden over two out, kept on inside final furlong, held and eased final strides, never near a challenge. Well, it was probably near enough to be possibly hassling Bury Ram uh, for third place. And uh, once it looked as though it might get near enough, um, Jamie was stood up in the saddle like John Wayne. I, I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know why I'm even putting this up because God alone knows where it'll go. You know, um, because... You know, I mean, the horse is ready to win, I would say, and I'm almost sure to win off, off 85 and could probably do some damage off 90. But, it, you know, what will he do next? He'd probably take it a bloody break and over 12 and drop it out or something, you know. <laughs> I mean, Simcock is definitely the most held-up trainer in the UK today, without, without a shadow of a doubt. And like you say, you made a great point uh, one of the other shows where you said you could only back Simcock. Uh, Simcock on straight course at Ascot or Donny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Just literally like that, where it's good for held up. It, it's a strange way to run your operation, but I don't know if that's, that's what floats the boat. Maybe Simcock, we get Simcock on the show to explain it, John, to explain these constant dropout tactics. That's one for us. That'd be a coup for us to get Sim, Simcock to talk to. The is to get the great man on and then <laughs> to then take him to why he's. Fucking the trend with all these pace biases. Yeah, I, I know a few. I certainly know a few trainers do listen to this show. I know that for a fact. Um, so if, if you know Simcock, uh, just get hold of him, and, uh, t- and maybe you can just put us in our put us back in our box on the, on why he yells everything out the back of the telly. 
Right, that's, that's uh, me and John done for this week. Um, we're back um, on Friday as normal, covering the Newbury Super Sprint meeting. Uh, quite a week Saturday next week. Um, and then we're back on Sunday as usual again with the sermon. There'll be three of us on that show. Um, so, good luck England tonight, and let's hope we're going to bring it home. That's all from me and John. Bye for now. <laughs>